Hey everybody, my name is Bob, and welcome to Late Night Playlist. Grab your favorite adult beverage and get ready to talk about the album of the week with my friends and me. Let's get started. Yeah, watch yourself. Screw you, Bob. <laughs> I had to go get some more of these cream ales. They're good, are they? Oh my God, they're very good. Yeah, they're they're a, a definite improvement over you know Little Kings or Genesee or anything like that. Can't hear you, Brett. What are you doing there, Brett? I I saw the the awkward motion. How are y'all doing? Hey, there you are. <laughs> <laughs> so these new. These microphone thing. This got this. Uh, let me get it on the screen here. There it is. So yeah, you can turn on and off the microphone. Mm -hmm. And uh, so not only can you do it on the screen, but you can do it on this thing. And I forget that you know one's on and the other one's off. So hey, there's Bob. Yeah, like uh, like Brett, uh, I have things that need to be touched and moved. And I'm too dumb to remember to touch and move them. So, <laughs> not, not that I'm accusing Brett of being dumb. Uh, that, that was that was me. The shoe fits, dude. Fits me well. <laughs> we all ready to start this thing? Let's do it. All right. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Good evening. Good night. Wherever the hell it is, wherever the hell you are. Uh, welcome to the late night playlist. My name is Bob and. I will be one of the two or 300 co-hosts that you have here today. Brett, Derek, and Tom, say hello. Hello. Hello, hello. Hello. I, I don't know how to count, so maybe it's only four total co-hosts. Uh, so anyway, tonight we are talking about David Greer's I Got the House to Myself. Is that what correct? A great, what a great name for an album. I wonder what he was doing in that house by himself. Oh, well, I got an answer for that. The man was playing guitar. <laughs> he was playing his guitar. What, Bob, what, what, what were you thinking he was doing? I'm just, just throwing a question out there, trying to figure out what the man's doing. So, so wait, wait, before we get too deep into this, I, I need to ask a very important question. What are you guys drinking? Two silos, cream ale. Two silos, cream ale. Sam Adams Boston Lager again tonight. Sam Adams Boston Lager. Jackie O's Mystic Mama. Ooh. Jackie Ooh, O's nice. Mystic Mama. Now, what kind yep. of beer is that, Brett? That is an IPA. That is ah. their flagship IPA. Maybe their flagship beer. Gotcha. Outstanding good beer. Oh, yes, they do. I'm a, I'm a big fan. And Bob, it looked like you had a Dos Equis. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. I have a uh, Dos Equis tonight. It's what I could uh, find in the refrigerator. We bought a new refrigerator this week, so it was there. And I like Dos Equis, so it works out. Awesome. You are the most, most interesting man. So. I'm impressed. You bought a, a refrigerator that came stocked with Dos Equis. That, <laughs> I need to shop where you shop. <laughs> you got to have your priorities going straight. You know what I'm saying? I'm impressed. Yes. <laughs> Dang. So, Brett, was your beer off the tap? Yeah, that's one of my, my kegs that I got in the thing. Yeah, the other one's nice. a Pilsner of some sort. Very nice. I was concerned the Pilsner wouldn't get me where I needed to be for this podcast. So, <laughs> I, chose, oh. <laughs> I chose the heavier uh, alcohol content. Now, see, I, I, I dialed it back. Usually, I've got a glass of whiskey, and I switched to beer, so I should be more coherent. Okay. So, so there's there's been some changes. Well, no, now, you know, I was uh, – I was listening to one or two of our, our other podcasts and, and Brett was drinking some uh, Woodford reserve, if I recall correctly on you one or two. of them. So, so he wasn't all that sober either in one or two of them. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, I needed to be where I needed to be. I, I, you know, so I did crank the alcohol down <laughs> compared to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
you're not going to get out and ride a tractor around after this. Not this broadcast. You're going okay. on a midnight run tonight. That's what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, David Greer, I've got the house to myself, was released in 2002. So do you guys remember what you were doing in 2002? Yeah, pretty good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Vaguely. Yeah. Vaguely. Kinda, kinda. I know where I was. <laughs> well, that's a good start. I knew where I lived. I knew where I worked. I'm trying to remember if I was if I was in Virginia or Indiana. Uh, I was probably in Indiana at that time. You guys have children yet at that time? No, I didn't. Ours came along in 2004. And my son was born in 2003. Not too deep into 2003, but 2003. Cool. I just seen it was, coincidentally, this was the year. <laughs> you know. if, this, if this happened to be an important album for anybody. Yeah, yeah. And it was the year that you guys, it was the year you guys proved Darwin, Darwinism wrong and reproduced. <laughs> well, Darwinism doesn't say that we won't reproduce. It just says that somewhere down the road, you know, we'll, we'll fail. So, okay. I thought the intent was to get you out of the gene pool before. Eventually, <laughs> but it doesn't happen right away. It takes time. No. <laughs> you know, evolution is a slow mistress. She works her way through. Well, Bob, I have a feeling that you have a maybe a, a little list of crazy events that were going on in 2002. Uh, I do. I do have some, some events that went on in 2002. Um, uh, the first one that that's on my list, it's not that crazy. A lot of people do it, but, uh, since Derek brought it up, uh, I got married in 2002. Ah, okay. So, right. uh, somebody went crazy. It wasn't me. It was the wife. She married me. <laughs> yep. Right. Uh, let's see. Harkening back to podcasts of old, Eric Clapton got married in 2002 to a then 25 year old girl from Columbus, Ohio. Wow. And, and of course we all know that he, he moved to Columbus and, and bought several of the McDonald's there right after that. I'll be darned. Did he buy some McDonald's? I'm, I'm totally making that up. I have no gotcha. idea. Gotcha. I have no yeah. idea. That was the previous discussion where we surmised he owned one on high street. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, David Bowie released his 22nd studio album in 2002. Can you imagine uh, having 22 studio albums? No, I can't imagine having one. So. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> oh, here's one we've talked about before also. Napster officially shut down in 2002. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's been a while. Here's another one we've talked about before on this podcast. Warren Zevon did his last David Letterman appearance in 2002. He was the only guest for the entire hour, and it was his final public performance. I remember that. I do, too. Enjoy every sandwich. Right, yeah. Enjoy every sandwich. That was his advice, and it's good advice. He, he knew he was terminal at that point, right? Yes, yes. That was a part of their conversation. Yeah. Letterman yeah. asking him how it felt to, to know about having a terminal illness. Let's see. Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, Elvis Costello, Lenny Kravitz, Tom Petty, and Brian Setzer all guest starred in one episode of The Simpsons. Wow. So that's a damn fine episode right there. <laughs> wow. Let's see. Brett, this is for you. Waylon Jennings died in 2002. Uh, I knew it was right another. He was 64. He, uh, he died from complications of uh, diabetes. This was a couple months after he had his foot amputated. I didn't realize he'd had his foot amputated right before he passed away. Yeah, he was losing some appendages. I, I don't, well, yeah, he had some substance issues going on. So I'm not sure he was totally managing the situation as in an optimum fashion. I'll put it that way. <laughs> he, if he'd only hung on five more years. <laughs> 
He lived quite the life. There's no doubt <laughs> yeah. about that. Lane Staley died in 2002. Ah, yeah. Speaking and, of substance issues. Yeah, yeah wow. speaking of substance issues. And here's the sad part about his death. When they, when they finally found him and they did the autopsy, they realized that he had been dead for two weeks before anybody had found him in his apartment. Mm -mm -mm -mm. And Alan Lomax died in 2002. Let's get off the deaths here. Yeah. Well, I got one. Okay. I can tell you, I, this surprised me today. So I know someone who did not die in, in 2002. I know four people that didn't die in 2002. (laughs) So, uh, oh my gosh, what's the matter with me? Uh, can you believe the alcohol is already getting to me? <laughs> How big much time brass, do we have to go over that, Brett? Bi- that big, big brass bed guy. Uh, uh, come on, the singer-songwriter. Uh, I'm, I'm blanking here. I know the recording's on, so I'm blanking. Um, brass bed. Yeah. Brass uh, bed. Um, she studied the lines on my face. I must admit, I felt a little uneasy when she bent down to tie the laces on my shoes. Bob Dylan, good God, what's the matter with me? He did not die that year. And further, substance abuse issues, right? And he's going, I just heard on the way home tonight, he is going out on tour, like in March, age 83. Age 83. Do you remember the story of Bob Dylan on tour with the Heartbreakers? Tom Petty's band. Yeah. I don't no, know. That. No, no, I don't know. No, that story. Apparently Bob and, and Tom and the heartbreakers were somewhere playing and Bob Dylan's like, I like your band. And Tom Petty's like, yeah, they're a great band. You know, Bob Dylan's like, yeah, I want to take them on tour. <laughs> you want to come along too, or something like that. So, and that was how the Tom Petty, Bob Dylan and the heartbreakers <laughs> tour. Well, yeah, I mean, he went out with the band. Mm-hmm. Bob Dylan and the band, and didn't didn't he also uh, Dylan and the Dead? Did he do that one? I didn't know that one. Yeah, so I mean, he kind of had a uh, reputation for doing that. (laughs) There were probably others, but he is still alive, and he's eighty three, and going on tour, and going on tour in March. Now yeah. he's 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 somebody that should do a Vegas residency. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I think there's there's just the irony there, and uh, I I'd, I'd probably I've never been to Vegas in my life. I'd probably go to Vegas to see Bob Dylan. What? Hold, you've never been to Vegas? No, no. I've never been to Vegas either. Never been to Vegas. Really? Nope. Nope. Brett, I'm not. Oh God, yes. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So, so we need to plan a uh, late night playlist tour of Vegas, <laughs> live from Vegas. All right, right. That's, <laughs> that's what we need to do because it's been a few years since I've been to Vegas. So, recorded mm-hmm. live in Vegas. Right. Live to that. Yeah. So you guys seriously never been to Vegas? Never so, been. Nope. So my one of my first trips to vegas i'm i'm walking down the street and um i don't know it's one of the main drags there it's fairly long and i remember seeing these two two young quite attractive females and each of them was wearing exactly three small pieces of tape that was it (laughs) that was it that's all right yeah that was remarkable didn't forget that one and that's tuesday i don't mean yeah, that was it. Was I think it was a Tuesday actually. <laughs> <laughs> we got there Monday, and I'm walking around Tuesday. So I'll will t- tell you guys one of my uh, one of my stories about Vegas. Um, me me and the wife, uh, we we've been married twice, which is a different story. Uh, but we one of our marriages was in Vegas. Okay, so excellent. So we we flew. We lived, we lived in Japan at the time and we flew into Vegas, got married at a drive through wedding chapel. Oh, oh thank you. Oh, thank awesome. you very much. So what did Elvis <laughs> do in the oh, wedding? Oh, 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 yeah. And I get a peanut butter and uh, banana sandwich with that. 
wedding there. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, so we get married and, and these things are pretty cool. If you've never, if you've never gotten married in Vegas, just go do it, you know, but uh, you go up to the drive through wedding chapel and it's like, it's like being at McDonald's, you know, you ask, Hey, does Eric Clapton own this place? No, he doesn't. Okay. I'll take a number two. Right. And so what they do is they give you a number two, which is you get married, you get two t-shirts, you get a picture and you get, you know, keychains or something, you know, or you can order a number three, which is, you know, you get married and you get four t-shirts and all this other stuff. So for the low, low price of what I, you know, I wish I could remember, but I have no clue. <laughs> okay. It wasn't that expensive. You know, it wasn't that expensive. It was, you know, less than a hundred dollars. Certainly. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, uh, it was, it was definitely a lot of fun. And then we, uh, we drove out through the high desert and got lost on, uh, on, on in the middle of the California high desert for a while and eventually made our way to San Diego. But yeah, you got to go to Vegas and get married at least once. (laughs) All right. Excellent. Yeah. Take the wife, take somebody else, whatever it is you're doing. (laughs) Wasn't that an episode of The Simpsons? Homer went and got married (laughs) in Vegas, but it was to someone someone else. (laughs) The laws are very different these days. I don't really know what's okay and what's not anymore. So Homer's wife was not happy. (laughs) The first one. (laughs) Marge was kind of long suffering, huh? She put up with a lot. She did. She really (laughs) did. She must really loved him. Yeah. I feel for her. All right. All right. So, so I've got the house to myself, not, not me personally, the album. So, so what do you think? The I'm going to start great. this. Yeah. They're great, great vocals. <laughs> <laughs> some, some of the best lyrics I've ever heard. Yes. Right. Yeah. It was, it was all right, damn I'm, near poet I'm, laureate right there. It's, uh, so every one of you listening to this and this would include anybody in the future listening to this is a better guitar player than me um so uh, do you guys who are guitar players when you hear somebody that is that over the top good i mean just an absolute master do you find that inspirational like I have got to go pick up my guitar now and I'm going to try that. I'm going to try to replicate what that man's doing. Or do you find it depressing and you say to yourself, I could practice guitar from now until I am dead. And then 10 years past that, and I am never going to be that good. Which way do you guys go on that? Uh, So I'll I'll start. I'll say uh, probably uh, as I got more mature in my life, I found it much easier to be inspired by it um, and, 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 and not get hung up on, I mean, you listen to him play. It's the cleanest, most perfect. And, and you watch him play live. He does not make mistakes and it sounds <laughs> perfect. Every, everything he does. And, but, but that's unachievable for, the rest anybody yeah yeah you just you just take take uh the inspiration from it and take what you can and 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 enjoy it that's all you can do you know what i do is i listen to each and every one of these songs and i thought to myself yeah there's no way i could play that yeah there's no way i could play that (laughs) yeah there's no way i could play that oh wait i think i might be able to play that you know so that song is the one that I've listened to the most uh, because I thought, Oh, I think I can play that. And I play it over and over again, you know, and, uh, and, and try to recreate the noises that he's making in nowhere near the same fashion that he's doing it. But uh, I, I think it inspires me to a certain extent, but it also makes me realize that I'm never going to be anywhere near as good as he is or, the cool thing with him, and I don't know if you guys strayed and watched any videos or interviews with, with him, he is the most down-to-earth, coolest guy. Uh, you know, 
I, I, I can see him being a blast to hang out with. There's no pretension whatsoever. And I was watching an interview today, and he was talking about how he played guitar at Steve Martin's wedding. And Martin Mull came up and asked him to play a certain song. And, and it's like, oh, my God. Yet he's the most down-to-earth, plain-spoken guy. Just amazing. I came across this album. I probably got it right when it came out because I had went through a phase where I was very heavy into bluegrass and like Celtic guitar. And and this was probably my third David Greer album I had bought. And this one just blew me away because it was just him, just mm-hmm. solo guitar, no other instrumentation whatsoever. And I think when, when the album came out and I was reading an interview he said that, uh, you know, he just, uh, he found himself. He was at home. He was alone. He had the house to himself. So he just recorded this album. I thought, I've got the house to myself. What a cool concept. <laughs> I might as well make an album. I guess Absolutely. that's what you do. And Did you guys go back and read some of his history? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, I didn't. I didn't. Tell me a little bit. His dad's Lamar Greer. Who was a? I think a a bass player was was he was a bass player with Bill Monroe and the Bluegrass Boys. So his dad was a contemporary of Bill Monroe. So when when David Greer was a little kid, he had you know fucking Bill Monroe coming over to his house. I had sent you guys that picture last week of him as a little kid at a bluegrass jamboree or whatever. With with Clarence White, Clarence mm-hmm. White's walking. Him to Clarence White's carrying a beer. Lamar uh, Greer is walking behind him. David's walking beside a little kid, and there's a guy passed out on the ground by the tree. You know, you've got Clarence White, the most incredible bluegrass guitar player from oh, what was their band? Uh, Clarence and Roland White, uh, uh, Kentucky Colonels. So I mean, this kid was born into bluegrass. How could he become anything else? Uh, agreed. I, what moved me, and this is somebody with, again, you know, no, no guitar skills, but the, the, the coordination to play what he was playing and to maintain time, you know, and, and there's no drum, there's no drummer back there keeping time going, you know, he is just doing that. And it's just the things to have on your mind all at the same time and do it exactly right is just phenomenal to me. I, I was blown away by that. That was he, just amazing. He probably spent the first 25 years of his life just sitting beside a metronome. <laughs> I, I, I was stunned. Well, and when you were when you were born into a family where somebody was playing the drums constantly, you, you might just have that timing beat into your head. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And, and so, so I really love listening to people play these fiddle tunes, you know, like if you're, if you're into jazz, you've got jazz standards, you've got all the Gershwin shit and all that. If you're into bluegrass, what do you got? Well, you got fiddle tunes. Everybody goes to the bluegrass outings and, sits around and plays fiddle tunes and very seldom is anybody singing. It's just tossing off the melody from instrument to instrument and playing it and uh, jamming. And uh, I just love listening to him play these fiddle tunes. Um, I guess on his latest album, he's, he sings. I have not found it yet. It's not available on iTunes or anything. So, um, but I'm going to track it down. Check his website. He's got a lot of his stuff available for sale on the website. He does. Yeah. And I Inclu- saw including can- this album, which was hard to locate. Yeah. So that's anyone looking for it, go to his website. That's where you can pick it up because you couldn't find it on Spotify or YouTube or Amazon Music. So, so. but that uh, I love it. It was fear. on Pandora. Was it on Pandora? Yeah, I believe so. Cool. Though now, now that you, I you now may- that I've said that I need to check it again to make sure. But <laughs> again, disclaimer: 
at least 50% of what we say is incorrect and we mean no harm to anybody. We're right, just right. Of, we're just a bunch of idiots drinking alcohol talking about music. So, uh, unless we do said, mean harm, but but we don't. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> rare. It's pretty rare. Right. It's a uh, if you're our enemy, you know who you are. <laughs> now, and you weren't listening anyway. Right. You know, yeah. You you brought up a couple of times, you know, the my only complaint about this album and it's not a real complaint. It's just my my problem with bluegrass, if you want to call it a problem, I really enjoy listening to bluegrass singers and banjos. There you go. Fiddle. I can do without, I own two fiddles. I don't play them. I just own them, you know, but, uh, I really enjoy hearing that nasal twang quality of a bluegrass singer and, and hearing a frailing banjo, going to town, burning up the, burning up the fretboard. Yep. And I, I feel like I'm missing something when I'm listening to bluegrass and that's not there. But other than that, this stuff was just play. He's obviously one of the most amazing guitarists on the planet. Now you brought up something that made me think you talked about, you know, him growing up and his dad playing in Bill Monroe's band and people being at the house and stuff. You know, Hank Williams Jr. apparently told a similar story about growing up. Oh, it was dad's friends hanging out, you know, and who's who of music at the time. And, you know, I didn't give it a lot of thought, but I got to imagine all these kids that grew up with parents who are superstars in their genre of music. Just who just happened to be at the house at any given. Oh, yeah. Time, you know. You know, well, who, who is the it children that? of the Beatles. Who do you think was hanging out with their dad at any? Well, is it like you time? read about Slash? I, I, apparently, Slash's mom was a big muckety muck, or you know, out on the town in Los Angeles in the fifties and sixties, and you know, he grew up with all these crazy rock stars hanging out at his house. And the good thing about a guy like David Greer is. Obviously, he didn't get sucked into any bad lifestyle choices that we're aware of and, you know, was able to hone his talent and just a cool guy. You know, the the beard, the whole persona he's got going on I, I, now. I was going to bring that up because I do admire the man's beard. You know, we, <laughs> I, I, I am working to a, to get to that point, but he is that was an exceptional, exceptional amount of facial hair. <laughs> and he was in, in the late nineties, he was in a band, like a bluegrass super band called psychograss, Daryl Anger, Mike Marshall, Todd Phillips. And uh, they actually played some cool covers. They did a wider shade of pale. They did the, uh, uh, Jimi Hendrix, um, third stone from the sun. Um, That's cool. there's, See, that there's sounds three familiar. psychograss albums and, you know, you, you can tell with David Creer, he didn't, he obviously came from bluegrass, but, you know, was probably into a whole bigger world of music than just your standard bluegrass chords. David Greer was born in 1961 in Washington, D.C. And uh, my understanding is D.C., the whole D.C. area, Northern Virginia, uh, back in the 60s and 70s, there was a huge bluegrass scene here and uh you know i guess down in springfield virginia is where tony rice used to record a lot of his albums uh there used to be a studio down there is my understanding but uh you know i guess he he grew up in the the dc area lived in maryland and then at a certain point migrated to nashville so i mean i'm sure he just grew up surrounded by the scene I'm really impressed that he did avoid a drug issue, <laughs> given given being in D.C. and and the whole music thing and all that. That's doubly impressive. Well, now let me ask you a question, and maybe you guys know the answer, maybe you don't, but that's okay. We can bullshit our way through this, right? So, is there a big drug scene on bluegrass music? I don't think so. I think that. Uh... Uh, you know that's one of the the cool things about bluegrass. Maybe maybe dabble with some weed, um, and and certainly now you look at some of the guys like Billy Strings. You know they they definitely partake of the the right. ganja, but uh, 
Yeah, I think it was a pretty clean scene. I know I tell you. you read you I've read a couple books about Bill Monroe and the way he ran that band that you know he certainly didn't stand for any of that shit in his band. Right. Well, and that's what I was thinking was some of the the at least the more famous ones that I can think of, they they really weren't they they came from mostly a a religious background and while they might uh, they might do some things that might surprise you, uh, drugs didn't seem to be one of those things. Are you talking about dating the preacher's daughter? Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> or, so. or, or dating the preacher's son, whichever, yeah. But, well, whichever, know. okay, whatever. I'm not going to judge. Yeah. They can alone. Yeah, it's none of my business what they do, but. Have you guys ever been to a snake handler church? Why, yes, yes, I have. <laughs> okay, then I want to hear this story because I have not. <laughs> so. so. <laughs> Were, were they handling the, the really evil snakes or is it just, you know, I, I, garden snake, you know, kind of thing? I can tell you I didn't get close enough to get bit. I can tell you that much. And with that, I didn't get close enough to tell you what kind of snakes they were. Not like okay. I would know. Um, if they had rattled, I would think to myself, ooh, look, a rattlesnake. I didn't hear any rattling. You know, what I saw was a uh, like a box. They had this... Uh, it was just like a plywood box up, up on the, uh, the podium there by the stage, you know, and it was maybe 10 foot by 10 foot, something like that. And they dumped a bunch of snakes in there. And I assume that they were alive. At least most of them were, some of them were moving. I don't know. And people that didn't like being alive, jumped in there and wandered around for a little while, I guess. And were they were they like speaking in tongues? Uh, not not at that particular instant. Shaking that, around. That was that was one of the things that went on there. Yeah, they were they were a uh, multi strange sort of church. Yeah. Wow. So Bob, you chose poorly. The churches that I went to growing up, they every day, you know, every Sunday would have thirty minutes of bluegrass gospel played oh, i thought they so, had 30 minutes of snake handling going on no, 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 no. <laughs> did you guys used to listen to public radio sunday morning they would have uh, stained glass bluegrass yeah yeah and i I, I mean i, I love driving that. around as a teenager and uh and even as uh, a young adult you know i would sunday if i was driving someplace i'd find the pbs or the 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 public station and listen to stained glass bluegrass and and i should say this this church was uh across the river from where we lived you know it was not not okay. on our side of the river they'll do that there i got invited over there by some uh by some folks and went and that was it so my family they were church goers and stuff but yeah there's no stake handling that i'm aware of <laughs> any of the events i attended anyway you just got to go back the right hill <laughs> I guess so. I gotta, I gotta tell you. So I'm gonna jump in here in defense of some of these little country churches that I went to. Not in defense. Not you guys aren't saying anything bad, but I gotta tell you, it, it was. If you're trying to get somebody excited about church, and you bring in people, and even the people at the church itself, you know, the, the members of the congregation, and they really know how to how to play that banjo and play a fiddle well and, and do all that and have some good singing. It makes you excited to go in oh, there on. Oh, sure. yeah. I sure. mean, it really I mean, does, you know, and you're seeing a concert. Absolutely. I, I can tell you, I mean, I really enjoyed that. I, I was a little spoiled. My dad was, you know, I brought this up many occasions. He was quite, quite good. And, uh, he, he played in all these, these bluegrass. I was going to ask, did he play at the church too? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. My mom would sing, dad was playing. And, and usually the, actually the, the preacher was on the banjo. So, so, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it, it was very fun to go there and and to see that and i you know it's kind of kind of sad i didn't appreciate that until after i'd gotten married and left the house and then i'd go go to that church and uh and really enjoy it you know it's funny i i'm sitting here thinking um i went one time uh 
and uh, uh, I had just probably gotten my first guitar, and I I probably didn't I couldn't even play a chord, and and I think it was out by you someplace, uh, Brett. There was a, a jam session, and it was just a bunch of guys sitting in chairs, and uh, I I just sat and I remember being a probably you know. 13, 14 year old kid just sitting and kind of soaking it up and they were all just tossing songs around playing. I'm wondering if that was something your dad might've been at. There's no doubt. My dad would go to those things and, you know, he knew, obviously he knew everybody there and he knew them for 30 years or something crazy, you know, and, and they would just sit there and play. And sometimes they do it at our house. Uh, sometimes they'd go out to the service and play there uh, it just depended on who was available, where, and how convenient, and all that. There you go. Brett, did your dad have any albums? Oh, my goodness. Uh, oh, you mean recordings of his own? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, that, would be, that would be fantastic to listen to. I would love to do that, and unfortunately, no. However, um, I've got a bunch of recordings of their live shows that they did through the years, um, my, my intent is to kind of put those together. They're all in different formats, different, different everythings. And if I could put them all together, that would be a fun one to, fun one to do. Oh, we can even yeah. play parts of that. You don't have to worry about any copyright laws there. Probably get them up on YouTube or something. Then I know it's probably not video. It's probably just audio, but no, some's video. No, some's video. Okay. Yeah, some wow. video. Awesome. awesome. So That's what, great. what, what was your guys, uh, kind of summation of, of the, I've got the house to myself. Would you listen to other music like that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I wasn't familiar with David Greer, but you know, I, I listen to guys like Adrian leg ah. pretty frequently and stuff like that. Who's not, not bluegrass, but it's, uh, a fine instrumental it's guitar thinking music it you know you can just put it on yeah. in the background and yeah i found it yeah. inspirational that a human being can have that much yeah. coordination and timing that's that was inspirational <laughs> to me i to me it's it's uh that that somebody can be that good uh that and and not just technique but I mean, to be able to sit down and play a set of songs in a way that's so enjoyable, that just transcends, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the greatest talents somebody could have. And uh, I, I just really appreciate somebody like him that can do that. Just incredible. Well, I'll tell you what, guys, you're inspired. You can do it too. He offers guitar lessons. Oh, sure yeah. you go. Go to his website. <laughs> He's got a link on there to take guitar lessons. Groovy. From I guarantee you, you, he would give me 30 seconds and then refund all of my money <laughs> and tell me to leave. Oh, but 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 I tell you what, I bet if I bet if you showed up over there with uh, your dad's Telecaster, um, you'd get invited to stay for a while. Yeah, I take my Telecaster <laughs> and tell me to leave. <laughs> I'm sure he wouldn't steal yep, it from you. Yep. He might just want to play it a little bit. <laughs> he is one of those people that, you know, Tom, you said this early on, and I'd like to meet the man. Yeah. You know, I, I don't get the sense that he would he, he would be full of himself and so aloof, but I would like to just sit and talk to him, you know? about his growing up, you know, who all he saw growing up. You brought that up. That would be just so fascinating to talk to somebody in that world. Now, I've not been to any bluegrass festivals, but I've been to a number of blues festivals. And I found most of the musicians to talk to have been actually wonderful to talk to. Oh, yeah. Really, really nice folks. And especially those more than happy to talk to people. You know, they're they're in it because they love it. They're, you know. Right, right. Are they trying to make some money? Sure, but you know they're not out there trying to be famous or make a living. They just enjoy it. They love it. Well, and that's the thing. These guys aren't millionaires, and they don't have twenty people around them telling them how wonderful they are every fifteen seconds. You know, they they 
they pack their own guitars, they tune their own guitars, they change their own guitar strings, and uh, they you have to be somewhat normal to do that. Somebody that is so talented and 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 so entertaining, yet nobody knows who the fuck he is, and uh, that's just that's that's life. Okay, so I wasn't sure when to bring this up, Tom. You just opened the door. Yep. So the guitar player for Toto, his name's Steve like Luke Steve Lukeacre. <laughs> Luke, Luke Acker. Okay. So he is a very well-known, proven commodity in the studio. Yes. He's been on, I think, I think I read somewhere where it was something like a, over a thousand studio sessions. Read you his know, just, autobiography. It's a completely okay. entertaining book. So I'm reading a quote from him and he said, there were times I'm in the studio, you know, five, six days a week. And he's there eight hours a day and not wanting for work. In other words, he's telling people, no, he's turning work down. And, and he said these days, this was a quote from a few years ago, not ancient history, like three or four years ago. He said, there's no work. There's nothing. He said, I might go to the studio once a week. Now that was stunning to me. Yeah. Yeah. Is it it just the industry has changed in that way that you don't people, you know, that it's just a instrumentalists aren't needed for what's made today. What's popular, the great instrumentalists. It's just not that complicated as shit this so is this just a change in the way the music industry operates because you know there are groups like the wrecking crew and stuff like that and the folks down in alabama and stuff that uh, records just aren't just the studio musicians you know you'd have an artist come in and work with the studio musicians i guess it just you know and it's funny you mentioned the wrecking crew and you know we were just talking about steve lukather and if you read lukather's book it's just it's very entertaining. So he kind of bridged that gap between when he got involved, the wrecking crew folks were still there. And so he was, he learned the craft from a lot of those folks, you know, like your Barney Kessels, your Carol Kays, you know, when you get and read the behind the scenes of the music industry, those were the folks that crafted all of these great songs. Brian Wilson's a great freaking songwriter, but those songs, those Beach Boys tunes wouldn't have been what they were without the Wrecking Crew. And it was the same with, gotcha. with Lou Cather and a lot of the you know late 70s and 80s bands. And then, you know, he's like, fuck, man, I might as well go cash in, too. So they started Toto and all those studio musicians got together and went and made a killing. Nobody asks for high caliber musicians on the albums that are made today. You just go. So, so here's something, Sean, I'm going to I'm going to answer your, your question there in my way. I read that quote and I thought man, there's, there's no way. I mean, I can't understand how it goes from continuously packed with sessions to nothing or one a week. And then I thought, okay, Brett, name one pop music song. Just name one, anything. I couldn't name one song. I couldn't name one artist. I couldn't do anything. So then I got XM radio. I turned it on XM radio and I tried listening to it for a few minutes did you notice I said tried? Yeah, I got that. I couldn't get through more than a few minutes. And I thought there's just nothing here. There is no substance here. It's like what Tom just said. It's like, it's some kind of noise accompanying somebody singing. And it's as though music, music and image have always been together. I'm not, I'm not crazy enough to say they have it, but it seems image has taken over from music image is the dominant factor. The music is not even relevant. And that's, that's what makes the sales now. I believe the title of the song was video killed the radio star. (laughs) I was going to comment about MTV's ascension and how image became 
So well, don't get me started because it's it's I I view you look at what's gone on with the music industry and and just the just the dumbing down of America and and I I that is um, there there is not a an appreciation of uh, high caliber art or music or writing for that matter. And and I think in this day and age, you're just, we're starting to see less and less of it because you can't make any money by being a great musician or a great this or that. It's. Well, I I may disagree to an extent, and this probably plays back into the, the downfall of the music studio system and the way they record albums guy named uh, Kevin Kelly a while back had a produced a blog post called a thousand true fans. He basically said, you know, if you're an artist, you need a thousand true fans and you can make a good living, a decent living at it. They they'll be willing to spend a hundred dollars a year on your stuff. That's a hundred thousand dollars and you can make a, a good living at it. And there's probably some truth to that because you see more now, as I think about it, indie music, indie artist, indie whatever, who either were ignored by the studio system or have just completely said, nah, no thanks, not interested, who have a small but rabid fan base who will consume whatever they produce and pay for it. And I agree with you. I think, so, I think that's out there, absolutely, but it's not it, the, the, the mass public is never going to go to yeah that's not going to be on a top 40 chart ever maybe not i mean but you know are you trying to be a rock star or a star or are you just trying to be an artist and i guess that's where the difference comes yep. right you there know you go it's a and i'm just trying to get through the day quite honestly well <laughs> that's fine <laughs> So regarding image, uh, I was talking to someone and I'll, I'll not mention their name since we all know who it is, but they had said, I mentioned, it's talking about Lyle Lovett. And they said, how do you listen to Lyle Lovett? He's so ugly, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, that's because I don't really pay attention to what the people I music I listen to, what they look like. It's just not that important. Well, well no, but yeah. I'll even take it a step further with somebody like a Lyle Lovett. I think the fact that he's got a very unique look kind of goes hand in hand with his music. His music's offbeat and quirky, and my God, his look is too. Yeah, and maybe that has to do with image, right? You maybe. Know, I'm, okay, I'm okay with that image. The offbeat, quirky, you know, but I enjoy. And this person wasn't. They they wanted a certain image, and they're people that they idolized. Yeah. And it hey. wasn't it wasn't Lyle Lovett. You know, know, that, that they looked. didn't stay together long, but he still pulled Julia Roberts. So <laughs> gotta true, love that you know? man. Yeah, Ug- ugly <laughs> or not, he's cool in my book. So if my personal standard is, I will only listen to people who are better looking than me. Man, the the sky is the limit, man. <laughs> I could go any genre, any age, any, any style. I'm good. Good to go. <laughs> you know, it's funny you mentioned Lyle Lovett because I think he's one of the most talented country music songwriters and singers and guitar players for that matter. And you compare that to what is out there masquerading as country music today and uh, you know it's there's just no comparison the 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 depth of what you have out there today compared to the Waylands and the willies and a lyle lovett and merle haggard it's, it's just pop music well and that's it In country music the pop people came in the country music and said hey we can take this and it became the net new pop music. There's no doubt in my we mind. We can write all these songs that. by committee. And all right, guys, let's. Uh, favorite song? Black Mountain Rag. I, I, I Black Mountain uh, Rag. One of my favorite 
fiddle tunes ever. Led Zeppelin cover. Got it. I'm just making that up. It's a complete lie. I was going to say, I'm sitting there in my head going, I don't remember. I can't remember the names with, of the songs now, but go ahead. I want to go with Evening Prayer Blues. I, I just like that one. It's very, seemed to me very mellow. Deep, deep, spacey. Yeah. That, that was mine also was the Evening Prayer Blues. I like, I like it. He, he chose right about the middle of the album to just kind of calm down a little bit, give his mm-hmm. fingers a little bit of a break. You well, know. It gives the listener a break, too, Yeah, if you're turning through the album. It's a nice nice interlude. So I enjoyed it. I, wasn't, I, was, I was not in a position to look at the names of the songs. I was, I was doing something else, Bob, so I didn't catch the names of the songs. So sorry about that. We, we know that you are uh, uh, running normally with these. <laughs> sorry (laughs) it's all right i am looking forward to getting my hands on his vocal debut i want to hear it i I remember i I looked at his uh at his website and they said new album available is that the one you were talking about uh ways of the world and it's uh, actually i went out there tonight and I was checking it out, and there's there's the Ways of the World is his vocal debut, which I guess came out back in 2019. There's another live album there by the Dave Greer Band, another Nashville Night. Look forward to hearing that, but I don't know that any of his vocal numbers are on that. I think it's that Ways of the World, but two thumbs up for me. Excellent. Yeah, it was a very good album. Yeah, if nothing else, he's got a glorious amount of facial hair. It- <laughs> <laughs> And a damn fine top hat in that picture. Yes. So yes, he does. Yes, a top hat counts for a hell of a lot. Going to bring them back in style. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that that might Ian be slash. the new dress code for the late night playlist. We have to wear top hats. No, I don't know. We get them over our headsets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got to put a hole in them so you can. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the beards are easier to manage, Bob. Maybe. My wife would probably allow uh, a top hat, though. Yes. I, I, the beard would get too itchy. <laughs> the beard takes on a life of its own after a while, let me tell you. it's. Uh, Do you mean that literally or figuratively? <laughs> sometimes both. You know, it's, uh, I see something moving there, Derek. What's, what's that? Yeah, oh, I know, my God. Right? That's, so, that's a Cheeto. <laughs> the birds want to build nest in it. It's... <laughs> <laughs> all right gentlemen once all again right. a, a fantastic show awesome hey everybody thanks for sticking with us to listen to david greer's i've got the house to myself i hope you enjoyed the album as much as we did and i hope you enjoyed the conversation we had about it next we'll be talking about together at the bluebird cafe with Guy Clark, Steve Earle, and Towns Van Zant. So get that album, listen to it about 15 or 20 times, and we look forward to seeing you then. Until then, I hope all your late nights are good ones.